No. Do we still have any awkwardness in us? No, 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 no. no, no, no. All, this is fine. Too late. <laughs> this is fine. Uh, this is the first episode of non-neurotypical art students, where uh, I will interview like different students from the Royal Academy of Arts in The Hague uh, about their neurotype. And a neuro neurotype is this uh, way something that can be diagnosed. Like I will interview students who uh, are diagnosed with ADHD, autism, DID, schizophrenia, uh, and everything else that uh, is part of the of the neuro of the neurodiversity. Um, my name is Nils Opman. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a student at the Nonlinear Narrative, uh, the first year. Uh, this is actually my first, this is actually the first episode. Maybe you can also rehear it a bit. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you can't, right? It's going really smooth. Get <laughs> Yeah. So uh, don't be too harsh on me. Don't uh, click away. <laughs> it's going to, re it's going to re be real fun. It's going, we're going to have a real fun conversation. Uh, we're going to laugh a bit, but we're also going to be angry because we are going also to talk about what uh, society can do for uh, the neurodiverse students and people, but also what our academy can do for us, for instance. But also, uh, we're just going to talk about uh, the person uh, sitting here next to me, uh, about her interests, about her art, and everything she uh, wants to talk about. I can hear typing. Sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, <laughs> I sorry. said it earlier. I know, I know. I have ADHD. I can't expect me to do just one thing, man. Okay. In the computer. <laughs> no, okay, no, this is like it's the perfect. No, this is this is a like 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 the perfect uh, representation. So. It's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you maybe introduce yourself? I can. Hello, my name is Matty. Um, I'm a first year graphic design student at the Royal Academy of Art in Day. Um, and I have ADHD. I was diagnosed when I was about 27, 28, something like that, and I'm now 43. Uh, so I've had it, I've known that I've had it for quite a long time. Um, and yeah, so here I am back in education yeah. <laughs> as a middle aged person. It's quite interesting. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. how does it feel to uh, be over here in the academy? Um, it's really, it's great because it's, it's a, a good opportunity to explore myself and and also i can use all the experience that i've had yeah. and all the things i know about the world and, mm. and the things that i'm interested in and i've had more time to do that yeah. but at the same time i'm also used to being good at things yeah. so i've had a professional career where i've been pretty senior and i can like i know what i'm doing and and now i'm here and i don't know what i'm doing yeah. <laughs> and it's a really strange feeling to not be kind of in control of yeah. you know or to be like to not know how to do things that's very strange. Yeah. What did you do in the past? Well, like a typical ADHD person, <laughs> I had, I've had different careers. So about every 10 years or so, I get bored and I switch. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was a political campaigner um, for about 10 years. Um, and I also worked for the ambulance service uh, um, for a, a while, for a long while. And then before that, I was a cabaret performer. And I worked also in radio yeah. um, a long, long time ago. So okay. I've, I've done lots of things. Yeah. Um, but since you worked in the radio, this is like a familiar setting for you. Yeah, well, yeah. it was so long ago when I worked in the radio that we didn't have digital recording. Really? We recorded on tapes, like physical tapes. Okay. And when you edited, you had to actually slice the tape yeah. physically in half and stick it back together. So that but, was... 
It's a, what era are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it says the mid nineties. The mid nineties. Yeah. So okay. it was digital. Digital stuff was just coming in, but only oh. the really, really fancy stations yeah. had it. But we were yeah, all yeah hand editing. Yeah. But I mean, uh, then you were really young. Yeah, right? it was my first proper job. So yeah. Was, yeah, when, yeah. At the, what age was it? I guess I would have been about seventeen-ish. Oh dear. Yeah, seventeen, eighteen. Um, I left again in a quite typically ADHD way. I left school. I, I was terrible at school, and I dropped out when I was about fifteen. Stopped yeah. going, but also, I can talk my way into a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I managed to talk my way into a into a job at the BBC. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and I think that's a real uh, theme of not just my life, but the life of a lot of people who have ADHD, which is that you um, you you can't normally get to places. You often can't get to places the standard route, um, but that doesn't mean and that can feel really make you feel really terrible. But it doesn't mean you don't have other skills that you can no. utilize to get where you want to go. Yeah. And I think that that kind of confidence that gets kicked out of you in school, yeah. it's it's really important to remember that, yeah, OK, maybe you're not good at exams or finishing your homework or whatever. But maybe you're really good at talking to people or yeah. maybe you're really excitable and people like to be around you. Or maybe you can hyper focus on some very, um, very important thing. And that that will allow you to to have uh, opportunities in other ways. Yeah, but like you said, from your actually at this very new, I think it's actually very interesting what you were already talking about, about going more into depth uh, into this uh, um, into your ADHD, for instance. Because I think uh, what I found really interesting is that. Um, you are really talking about new opportunities rather than uh, really feeling it as a limitation that you say, oh, I'm after, after 10 years, <laughs> I can really work at the same place. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's, it's also kind of good because I haven't really properly introduced myself. Mm -hmm. I'm myself have diagnosed with autism when I was four. Back then, we just uh, we uh, we um, uh, make distinction. We distinguish all the, all the different forms of autism, and I was back then uh, uh, diagnosed with classic autism. And I have really have the feeling that um, for me working at a job which I will do for forty years, I have really no problem with that. In the moral, <laughs> now in the moral from this um, this 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 urge for stable for stable for a stable. Uh, uh, I say that for stability, um, I'm really longing for that. But I find it actually very interesting that you are really on the other side of the spectrum uh, by uh, uh, actually uh, seeing it also as an advantage. You know, I think I think that is a very good. Uh, uh, how you say that? Um, that's a very good uh, way of looking at life in general. Yeah. Well, I think. Um... Oh, it's probably taken me a while to get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> I think, but now, I sort of we we grow up in a society that wow. tells us that we should do things in a certain way, yeah. and of course we 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 can't do that. Um, but just because they tell you that you should do it in a certain way doesn't mean that you should, or that it's wrong if you don't. So I, I feel like I've I've had a really interesting life, and I've done loads of things, and I know loads of stuff, and loads of people, and I've had lots of experiences, and lived loads of places. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want, and that's what makes me happy. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of a few years ago, maybe a decade ago, was like, all right, I'm just a person who does a lot of stuff, and that's fine. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> but it did take me a while to get there. Um, uh, but it, um, it's interesting that you say that as well, because m- my husband is in fact uh, on the autism spectrum. And uh, I find that he's a lawyer um, and a contract lawyer. And his brain is precisely perfect for that kind of work. And he loves it and he finds it very satisfying and interesting and, and um, engrossing. And there's absolutely no way that I could ever do anything like that. Even if you held a gun to my head, I could not. If you held a gun to my mum's head and said, read that 200-page contract, I, I would have no mum after about 10 minutes. Um, but he, his kind of like incredible ability to use his brain to focus logically and, and it is a superpower in what he does. Yeah. So he's, and he's really made, I don't think a, a, a neurotypical person either could do what he does. Yeah. And, and he is very happy and has yeah. made a lot of money and is, yeah, very fulfilled in his work. Yeah. And he wouldn't be without the autism. Yeah, but does he also have a, he is, is he a part of, an, of a lawyer uh, group or something like that? Or does he have a boss? Upon a, a yeah, problem? yeah. So he, he's, at the moment, unfortunately, he's, he's very ill from COVID-19. Oh, geez. Yeah, don't catch COVID, everybody. Yeah. Uh, it's really bad. But yes, normally he's worked in, he's worked for big international law firms. Okay. Um, and yeah, he's a stay yeah. he, he stays in the same yeah. place. For as yeah, long but, as uh, but he does, but he does uh, kind of take his freedom to actually, um, I think, I think in this case, does it also have to do that he kind of accelerate in his job in the fact that he gets so much freedom into doing that? Or does he have a lot of restrictions? It, yeah, they have a lot of restrictions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very high, high pressure corporate yeah. environment that he works in. Yeah. But he thrives in that actually. Yeah. Um, and I think also, they don't talk about it very much. But there are a lot of autism, autism spectrum people in that line of work. Yeah. So there's a kind of um, slightly. He doesn't seem so unusual as a person because yeah. there are a lot of other people like him. Yeah, in, in I, his world. But I don't really know, you know, my my depiction of a lawyer is that I have from Hollywood. Someone <laughs> someone is sitting is sitting at the desk and say, my honor. <laughs> yeah, he's not that kind of lawyer. <laughs> yeah. I have I have here the proof yeah. why this person yeah, 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 is yeah. more of but, uh, what is, yeah. yeah, but what is his uh, what is his uh, occupation? He's he, he's a he's a um a mergers and acquisitions lawyer. Yeah. It's, it's I mean to me it's the kind of thing that makes me want to throw myself under a bus just yeah. hearing about it because um, it's so dull. But to him, it's fascinating. And yeah. it's, it's big companies buying and selling each other. Yeah. And he does the contracts. Yeah, so it's more like uh, a, uh, he just, uh, it's, it's, his work is like really great business. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, definitely. Uh, but, yeah. but to him, it's engrossing because it's, there's a problem that he needs to solve and there's something that needs to be looked at from every angle and, yeah. And and it's he can really get his teeth into it, yeah. and it, it but it exactly suits his kind of thinking. Yeah. Um. And that, that again is, and I think you, you perhaps find a, a decent number of autistic people in that kind yeah. of world, which is why I often am I'm really interested because he's the autistic person that I know best, of course. Yeah. But I'm really interested then to when I meet autistic people who are things like art students. Yeah. Because he's in an environment that's perfect for him. It's incredibly yeah. structured. You know exactly yeah. what's going to happen. But here, the opposite is the case. And it's to me, that is kind of, um, yeah, it must be 
hard. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think as well from uh, you are ADHD mm. or you are you are diagnosed mm. with. Uh, he is diagnosed with autism, and therefore, what I know from I'm not sure about his case, but I know from a lot of autistic people who uh, that. Um, now I just put my question in uh, in another order. I know from you that you really that you really like have a very dynamic uh, life that you uh, uh, love that you uh, love to uh, uh, live your life very spontaneous. <clears throat> um, but um, a lot of autistic people um, uh, uh, want to have like a very uh, kind of. Um, has some problems with that with that spontaneous outcome mm. that uh, that they, that they kind of have. So um, I'm not sure you, as you as you describe it. Uh, although you really love each other, you both are re like really different. Yeah, but like, different, but if you yeah. would, but if you would see it on on a distance, um, it's like uh, really almost black and white in uh, in a way. Yeah, but yeah. how do you how do you take care of each other? And in and in and in what way, for instance? Uh, do you give space to him and gives he space to you? In 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 a lot of ways. I think that the 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 thing that makes it work, I think, is that we um respect each other. Yeah. So if he tells me that he needs something, that's fine. He can just he could just have that. Yeah. And and I don't need to understand why. If he tells me that he can't bear the notification yeah. sound on WhatsApp, I will switch yeah. it off. Like but I mean that's that's a minor thing, but so we well, it's not it's not a minor thing for him at this very moment. No, it's so, true. I, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, when when we first met, we were very aware that we were quite different, yeah. and that that in order for our relationship to work, we would have to give each other a lot of freedom. Yeah. So, for example, I actually met him two weeks before I emigrated to the Netherlands, <laughs> um, which is now seven years ago. And um, we had a long-distance relationship for five years. Yeah. Um, Where does he come from? He's German, but he's he German. lived for 18 years in the UK. Okay. Um, and, and I'm always moving around, and I need to go and live mm. in different places, and la, la, la. Um, and he don't, I don't insist that he follows me. Right. So, yeah, and that's important. So he knows he doesn't have to follow me. Yeah. Um, because I understand that that me being like, oh, I've been here for six months. That is too long. I need to move. Will drive him crazy. Yeah. So um, first of all, I don't move as much as I would move around as much as I would. But I don't make myself unhappy with that. Yeah. We find a compromise. Right. But also, if I'm kind of like, okay, I, I need to go and live in Israel for a year, I won't say, I'm going to live in Israel. You have to come with me. No. I'll be like, I'm going to live in Israel for a year, or I would like to go and live in Israel for a year. Would you? How would you feel about that? Um, and what would you think is the best way for, for us to deal with that? Yeah, yeah just just ask for the, for the confirmation yep. before you make your decisions. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and things like, um, for me, I'm very, very sociable. I have a lot of friends and I like to go yeah. out. Um, and he hates that. He, yeah. that that's torture <laughs> to him. <laughs> yeah. so, if, so I make sure that I always invite him to come. Yeah. And I never mind if he doesn't. So, you know, even if it's something like a wedding or whatever, if he doesn't want to go, I can just go home. It's no yeah. problem. It's right. not personal. So we, I think we understand each other, but also we communicate quite well. So, yeah, I know 
I, I trust him to to tell me the truth about what's happening and to not what I don't want is for him to put himself in, in positions that make him uncomfortable yeah. to make me happy. Yeah. Because that will make me not happy. No, exactly. <laughs> um and just very occasionally I need mm. him to to step up. Oh. Very occasionally. And in that situation I know it's hard for him and I communicate that and he always does. Um, so like when we got married, for example, um, you know, I would have had a giant like 500 people, like five day party. But of course, he would rather die. Yeah. So we had like a two day, 70 people. And I said, OK, that's what I would like. That's compromise. How, how is that going to be possible for you? Like, how, how can we make that possible? Do you need to um, be able to leave somewhere halfway through the day? Do you need to like or whatever you need? Just yeah. do it. Um, whatever makes it possible. Yeah. So, so you, yeah, it's just talking, talking and accepting each other. So you were already applying COVID rules before COVID rules existed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He loves the whole yeah. lockdown. It's the best thing yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, because I'm kind of joking in this case, but I, but I actually see like a lot of uh, neurodiverse people around me uh, actually uh, enjoying, or enjoying is also maybe a bad word, but mm -hmm. kind of... Um, can easily adapt to the to the COVID rules since there are uh, more to their comfort zone. Since mm -hmm. especially right now, you don't. Uh, I think now is the rule that you are not allowed. I think we're at the brick of 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 returning again to the society where we are not allowed to have more than two people in our house. Yeah. But I think for like really a lot of uh, people with neurodiversities, that's actually a real outcome. So I, maybe also for your. For your husband, yeah, so, for, yeah, yeah, it's a great film. For me, yeah. for me, it's 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 hell on earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I um, can really imagine. But uh, um, yeah, for him, he, it, it's no problem. He's very self-contained. Yeah, he could do this forever. Yeah, um, okay. yeah. Whereas I have to kind of <laughs> oh, have a little uh, twitches about. Yeah, yeah. I, need, I need other people. Ah. but okay. But how are you doing right now, for instance, uh, regarding also also with COVID, but also everything that's happened on the academy well for me um so I, i have adhd but i also have dyslexia mm -hmm. um which and they don't play very well together because <laughs> <No. laughs> they're both working memory disorders yeah um or in different ways so it just means i have a double rubbish <laughs> working memory and <laughs> um, but for me um online lessons are a total disaster because i can't read from a screen yeah um and things like say um coding yeah so we we have coding classes every monday yeah. um and it used to be that the, the coding class was half a day and then the other half a day we would have interactive media design uh, and then we're face to face yeah. but now with covid it's all day coding for eight hours really? on, online um and it is for me that is like um taking the wheels off a wheelchair and telling a disabled person to go and get you some peppermint from the shop. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, and I try and I try and I try. I actually was so frustrated that I threw my tablet against the wall. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, I just can't do it. No. Um, and I feel like the, the, I, I'm, I, I can advocate for myself quite well. Yeah. So I went straight away to my teacher who is wonderful and explain to her the situation and she completely understands and we've tried to come up with solutions which also aren't working but the fact of the matter is um i will go into the second year yeah. without having the faintest knowledge of coding yeah, um, yeah. and we have to do co coding the entire four years yeah. 
and I, I think it's going to be very difficult for me to catch up. Um, and I, I do feel like it's pretty, it's a pretty big ask yeah. to, to have some people learn coding in that way, yeah. particularly any kind of neuro, neurodiverse people. And there will be plenty of us. Yeah, no, exactly. But I, but, but I found something like that. It also caught my eye when I did my bachelor, which was not at the, K, at the KBK, mm. but which was uh, at uh, Artes Hogeschool for the Kunsten in Arnhem. And uh, because, um, uh, but I, but I, but I honestly think I heard it like a couple of times, especially with something something like coding, since actually it's learning a new language, mm. you know. So. Um, Maybe your husband would accelerate in it because she said earlier he speaks like eight, eight languages. Yeah, somewhere. he's actually he can code. He, can. Yeah, he didn't yeah. even try. He can just do it. So yeah, but it's, <laughs> but it's also it's it's also a bit there for that you really have to take your time. Mm. Uh, but um, that the problem is by um, how I said it. Someone explains to you how to code is that you don't have don't can take your own time but that they they have to decide how much time you actually need to actually learn how to code and um <clears throat> of course this is this is uh also maybe i would say for instance for my case i i could say from, okay you can you can also learn code by yourself you have like a, a, a rather uh, platforms like w free school i think mm. stack overflow where they uh, just answer answer your questions everything you want to know but it's more of the fact that uh, they actually uh, send you an overload of information in the first year and if you can't catch up then you're actually fucked for the for yeah. the three yeah, years yeah, after totally, that totally, you totally, know totally. so so it's actually already that at the first year they have to really think um how can we uh, you know i think these are kind of things that we have to think at the art academy mm. How uh, can we make uh, uh, our information as accessible yeah. as possible? Well, so, I, th yeah. I think it's like when, when you go to to school as a as a non-neurotypical person. Mm -hmm. So, for example, even when I went to school in the 80s, the early 80s, and I couldn't properly read and write because of my dyslexia, um, they... Okay, so they put you in a class for people who are finding it difficult to read and write that's very small and somebody sits with you and they work it out because they understand that there are things that you simply can't learn yeah. uh, in the way that they're taught to other people. Yeah. And I think coding is probably one of those things. I, um, my coding teacher who really is, I cannot praise her enough. She's really wonderful and she really does her best. Yeah. But what I need is somebody to sit with me. Yeah. Uh, and of course, there's not facility for that here. No. Um, or somebody sit with, you know, just five of us or something. Yeah. But there will be a very large number of dyslexic ADHD mm. people in this school. Yeah. Uh, in my class, I know there are a number. So, yeah, I, 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 I do feel like I'm very committed and I do try and learn at home and I understand it's important. I really want to be good at yeah. it. And, and my teacher, says you you know that you understand the logic i can see that but of course i can't type things i can't see mistakes that i've made yeah. i can't see the difference between a colon and a semicolon when i look at it it just i can't see it yeah so it's kind of um yeah what what i need to be able to do this this class which is super important to the to our departments is something that isn't offered to me yeah. um or to the rest of us and i, I really feel like yeah, yeah. you, you especially in an art academy which is so full of non-neurotypical people 
they need to think about that. Yeah. But like you have like some of these tools, right? I mean, I know for processing, but mm -hmm. also for supply text, you have also the option to really make uh, your code real big, just mm -hmm. like just mm -hmm. like uh, to uh, to uh, resize your 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 code, just like a regular class. Yeah. I mean that they used to an A3 format uh, uh, text with like a very huge uh, typeface. I mean, wow. <laughs> no, very typographic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, you know, I think I think that really that really works people. But now I'm actually now going to the uh, the other limitation you were talking about. I found from actually the 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 what I found actually really interesting. Now I really think about and now I really talk about. Let's say you, uh, when you, for instance, fill a class on the Art Academy, mm -hmm. I'm not sure about, uh, but over here, I just started this September, mm -hmm. so I don't have my, uh, um, so I don't have any any feedback or something mm -hmm. like that. But at least at my form Art Academy, they give you an extra task. You know, yeah. you, you know yeah. I'm not sure if that's also over here. But Yeah, they have, yeah. I think there were some, some people who, so there's some people that they just are like, no. Yeah. And there are some people who they say, okay, here's a summer task. Yeah. And we'll decide whether you do the first year again or if you can go into the second year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like, but it's like, then it feels somewhat like a punishment in this case, you yeah, know, from yeah, if yeah. you get, if you get a five, you have maybe to do it the whole, the whole, the whole year again. Yeah. So what I, so what I was actually thinking, actually, that's something with all the, all the academies was also happening over here that we maybe have to think also of a solution from if someone gets a five, what do we do with that? Are mm. we going are we going to say to that person, you're not good enough on the level but uh, that we that we want to have, or you can you can ask, what can we do mm. to uh, make you uh, develop to develop yourself yeah. even better than yeah. you than you than you're doing right now because because you're not in the same pace that we are asking of you yeah you know it just is it is just that really after uh, i know for instance kind of couple of people i knew and who uh, had to like expand their time at the art academy for really a couple of years and getting problems because you have i think this amount of time that you can um, expand your your student time in the Netherlands and mm -hmm. in a certain moment they like too long. I mean, you have. To, I mean, that should that should not be the case. I yeah. mean, if you have, yeah. especially when you have like two, uh, I think also with midterms you get grades a little right in the midterms. No, they, actually there's no grading anymore in the okay, in no the graphic grading. design department. They no. just they got rid of it last year. Okay, but I think like this midterms people are like I just saw kind of people. I think right now there are the, are the midterms that yeah, like first the first year bachelors mm -hmm. are really scared of it. Well, I think that this is already the wrong, the wrong, how you say that? Um, it's the wrong way of going about it. Yeah. Wrong way of going about it. Well, it, should, it should be rather like a test from, okay, uh, we are right now in November. We see you're actually behind in some, mm -hmm. some of the classes you are not doing so well. What can we as an art academy do yeah. to, uh, be, to be on, to ask you? And to help you with this whole problem, instead of having a punishment again and say, "Oh, your 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 work is hollow." And yeah, I, I, I do don't know. I do notice a, a slight kind of um, harshness, maybe I don't know, um, where there's a sort of uh, there's a sort of attitude that because you've got in, yeah. they believe that you have talent and yeah. that you have something that is interesting that can be drawn out of you. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a there's a kind of differentiation that the only time I've ever seen them really, you know, it, is if you just don't do any work. 
and you don't show up and you don't you know that that that's something that's dealt with like okay you have to put your time in or you're out which i, which think, I think is fair yeah which i think yeah. is fair but on the other hand i mean i also know a kind of a couple of people who feel like unheard during a class of mm. okay you know i don't feel really comfortable doing this yeah. class anymore i'm i'm not enjoying i think there's also some nuance into that yeah <laughs> well i think yeah probably but I, i i think the thing that i do find is that if people are having problems with the academy and they want to be here and they and they have some talent it's much more constructive to go at it with a more understanding yeah like hey we notice that you have an issue around i don't know meeting deadlines yeah. how can we help you and i think that is what they want to to to, to be like but in practice i don't think they are yeah but it's also a bit, i think i think really the problem um Yeah, and I really think that's a problem, and I really got angry about it. This is like the good part of the podcast because uh, now we get angry. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> right, everyone, take <laughs> breath. <laughs> now, we, now we now we get angry. So uh, this is like a hot take, but I think it really has to do with the fact with the with the way how the academies really presents themselves. Mm. Like I know, for instance, at my former school, uh, uh, Victor and Rolf graduated over there. Mm-hmm. Like two very, you know them? Yeah, yeah, sure. there, yeah. There are like two. I think very big uh, uh, fashion creators from the Netherlands, and they used to study at the Artist Fashion uh, Academy, you know, which is like very highly praised. And uh, but the first thing when you got over there, you see already a big picture of them hanging yeah, 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 somewhere. Yeah. I'm not really sure, but actually, some sort of idea. We want you to become just as famous as they do. You know, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you know, we are proud that they come from this from this academy. And we and we uh, want to create good students where we which where we can be proud again. Well, that is not the goal. The goal is not that you have yeah. like successful students. The goal is that uh, you help the students to develop to be to, to be su- successful in the society. You know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like this whole situation that is happening right now with the with uh, Julian Handewijk yeah. uh, and uh, and with the. And the CR article and what and what he got away with it. It's also part of the fact that people said, okay, he's like very good. Yeah, he's a yeah, very yeah. good student. Yeah. So therefore, we have like you know we feel a bit awkward to attack him. Maybe he will go to another school. So who are you? Who are you defending? For- really, who are who are who are you defending? Are you are you defending your rep, your reputation or are you defending your students? And I think this is yeah, also yeah, part yeah, with yeah. the problem that uh, we want to address towards neurodiversity. Um, I think if you if you are actually caring for neurodiverse students, mm. you're not uh, judging them; mm. you're asking them. Yeah, you ask them what they point. actually need, and I think yeah. this is also part of it by uh, 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 um, by um, not saying from oh, I think this is this is also part of our of our society, the academy shouldn't ask the students what they can deliver to them but yeah. but the students should ask the, the academy what the academy can deliver to the students well, I think it's also part of our society we asked uh, when a children when a child with a different ability uh, is born um, uh, we kind of tend to cancel the child already from a good life because we think that The child should contribute later in our society. Well, our society should contribute to that child, and mm. I think that therefore uh, uh, that person can give it back 
to our society to become actually a valuable member because we were really uh, good at helping the person. I think this is, this is like on a very miniature level on this academy and we mm. should really change that. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I really agree, actually. And mm. and there's there's the, just the, the the concept of what is a valuable human being yeah. is kind of disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, a human being is a human yeah. being. Okay. Yeah. Um, and for me, the way we think about what is a valuable contribution to society is is kind of fundamentally wrong. And I think it's shown very well with this Underbeck thing because you say, oh, they, because he was a talented student. In my opinion. I mean, it, it's art, so it's subjective. Mm. I don't think he's that good. I think a, a lot with Underweg is that he had this bad boy persona that people were like f getting really excited about, and they were like, "Oh, he's an edgy, like dangerous, difficult artist guy," and we're like right behind that yeah. that old that just tedious old bullshit. Yeah, I just uh, honestly bullshit. don't know him, so I can really yeah. say that. But but that well, this is my own yeah. reading of it anyway. So they, they, it's more him as a person and this sort of mystique yeah. around this kind of um, like bad boy persona, which is really revolting and juvenile. Yeah, but I um, think that that is not really, I mean, even though, honestly, I kind of now dislike his art. Hmm. I think it's kind of really nice what he makes, but I think that's already not really the discussion. No, I no. Mean, it's, it's, you know, yeah, from, exactly. from even though you could see during his uh time at the academy that he isn't that he isn't talent, a talented student mm. you should think if something like that comes out and and a student comes to the teacher and says from hey he's misbehaving towards other students mm. then you shouldn't give it a second thought i mean that's because he is talented and i think that's kind of my point but you that's know? difficult because that's the opposite to what we were just saying, right? So we were just saying that if people are struggling somehow or finding it difficult, yeah. we should have a more understanding attitude. Yeah. And and now we're saying, but for him, because of the way his struggles manifested, that we should just kick him straight out. So yeah. I, I think there's a there's a d d like yeah, okay, a dividing but, line, I but guess. We be, but I mean, we were talking about um, having a how you say that. Uh, maybe a bad call, a bad collective, or a, yeah, or a bad yeah. bitter versus like someone right, who right. is really, uh, really been uh, accused of rape. I mean, there yeah, is well, a ethical been. fine line between that. Yeah, he, I mean, it's true. But see, I mean, the KPK wouldn't see that, but uh, no. <laughs> we do. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've never had any allegations of that, right? The KPK. Yeah. It was, it was just stealing mm. and violence and racism. Just. Yeah. Stealing now, but but I mean yeah. also also like the whole thing after that, um, it's more it's it's more about we're we're saying about on on the way and we're saying about the NFC article, but this happens like on every level. Yeah, of course. And yeah, I yeah. think you know to also get back to the main topic of this podcast. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, but no, I think uh, no, but uh, but uh, I think this intertwines perfectly together from mm -hmm. also the depiction from. Um, uh, what can you know if we have to ask what a art academy can do for mm. neurodiverse students yeah. the art academy uh, i think that is already the question because i sometimes have the feeling that the art academy sees their students as uh, a valuable product you know that they can share later on and that they invest in yeah i honestly think it's kind of already rubbish that some of us have to pay like seven thousand euros a year for <laughs> yeah. 
for having for uh, for uh, like eight hours teas. Yeah, yeah, we had, <laughs> you we know? had a very British. All the British students in the academy had a real have had a real white knuckle experience because, yeah. of course, we're no longer European citizens, no. right? So we yeah. we so we're already in the academy oh. and paying the European price. But when you uh, attend attended to the school, did the mm. Brexit already happen? Yeah, Brexit had already. Or it had been voted on, yeah. but it hadn't happened. Yeah. And nobody knew what was going to happen, whether yeah. it was going to go ahead or not or whatever. Um, so when we asked the admissions people about it, they were like, I'm so sorry, we just don't know. <laughs> and, and nobody knew anything about anything. Yeah. It, it, it's you know entirely Britain's fault. Yeah. Um, but we, we have been waiting to find out whether we have to pay the international fee or if we can continue yeah. to pay the European fee. And we didn't know yeah. <laughs> until uh, literally a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So we were all like really white knuckling it yeah. as, as to whether we were going to be able to stay. Because yeah. nobody can, you can't get a student loan to study abroad if you're British. Yeah. So we would have had to actually have the cash, yeah. which you know, who does? Nobody, or very few people. Um, so it kind of uh, was a really tense experience yeah. <laughs> and then we had a call with the international coordinator who was like yeah you know you can pay the euro the eu fee we're like, oh, God. so we could actually stay yeah um but yeah i think i think um I've, I've just been studying this um south american um graphic design collective who make um protest art posters for um social justice causes in 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 north america yeah. Um, and they had a really interesting stuff to say that, that neither of them went to art school. Yeah. Uh, and they say that they're really glad that they didn't go because they, they're kind of, it meant that their message and what they wanted to say was, was not diluted by an academy yeah. or by a, an institution. But they also talk about um, what is the point of making art? And they're trying to move away from this idea of the individual artist and the, the purpose of art being as, as kind of... Um, self-expression and this whole art market and this sort of yeah a focus on the individual star artist and that what an ownership of their work is all creative commons and you can download it whatever and that it's supposed to have a life of its own and it's supposed to be as egoless as possible and they really talk a lot about how the way they look at their work and their art could would have been completely different had they gone to an art school who have this focus of you being a commodity of you being a professional, successful artist who sells, yeah. as opposed to somebody who is learning how to express themselves yeah. as an artist and who they are and learning skills and learning their personality and what they want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, it really, t- it really touched something yeah. in me when I read about it because I thought, God, yeah, absolutely. I'm really being subconsciously trained into thinking of myself as somebody who is being trained to be productive financially yeah. yeah because yeah because this is kind of an uh question i also wanted to ask from how do you think your uh neurotype influ- influences your work i mean we're still at the oh. art academy so so deeply it, yeah. it, it was um we just had today our midterms actually my midterm mm-hmm. this, today actually and because i have a i have the intense difficulty to make myself to get my work done on time. Mm-hmm. I manage it, but I am often, very often, up till four o'clock in the morning the night before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be doing so this evening, in fact. Um, that I, and also a big problem, f- I think for me, but for people with ADHD generally, 
and this again is totally opposite to, to people with autism, I think, is that if, if I have an idea in my mind, I cannot hold the idea in my mind and, and look and think about it. it. For some reason, it's not possible. I can't, conceptualizing in my head is not possible. Now, I hear, hear it often that like, um, uh, uh, that, that people with ADHD have, have a kind of problems with going into depth yeah. With a certain score, you know, this is yeah. so, you know, well, well, the art academy really values uh, like conceptual art yeah, in, yeah. in a, in a I, way. So the thing is, I can do yeah. it, but I need to, to, to work with other people. So yeah. I need to talk, basically. Yeah. So I can sit down and say, I've had this idea. It's just like the little germ of an idea and I don't mm. know where to take it. Oh, what about this? What about that? And then that's when my brain starts to flow. Mm. But if it's just inside my head, yeah. alone then then nothing flows and it and it's very surface and of course the whole covid situation makes that a million times yeah. worse because i'm half the time just sitting at home on my own yeah. which is nightmarish but, but you know there's nothing to be done about that but i notice that that other students in my class are making decisions they're kind of going i really thought about this aspect and i'm like oh i made it quick what color should i make it i don't know pink done like yeah. and that that is kind of um but at the same time, I'm really trying to learn to be comfortable with that because sometimes my instincts are good <laughs> and are right um, and are, an, are a true express, expression of myself. And I think also, you know, I struggle with things like typography where I need to be very precise. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just, no. Yeah. Um, but... At the same time, I, I feel very much like I'm encouraged here to be, um, you know, some of the work that I made that was messy or chaotic or I've had the best reaction to that because yeah. they feel like they can feel that it has some power and that because yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just being, I'm like, oh, well, okay, so I'm messy and chaotic. Okay, yeah. cool. No, and but just, it... just be that. And then, then I make things that actually live. Yeah. Um, but that's like really a very good thing, right? That you're already actually finding your comfort in chaos in, yeah. in, in, yeah, uh, in yeah. uh, this way. I mean, I mean, we're constantly talking about uh, that. Uh, I, for instance, um, am also not really that. Uh, how do you say that? Um, really that deep, deep, uh, detailed in my work. Mm. I'm not a real tobacco. I'm not really that good in topography or something like that. Um, but uh, um, it's uh, more of that uh, I feel really comfortable into actually dive really really deep dive really what you are talking about I think I feel really that 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 if I just follow a straight red line mm. and I just pull on it and just pulling and just pulling and I just research more and more yeah. and uh, uh, actually am on the point of uh, how you say that something metaphysical is happening that i know okay you know from this is about something that i'm not going to grasp with only researching but also use my own minds and using my my um uh using like different sources and stuff like that then uh, i can i can implement it in my work but mm -hmm. i'm really good at that i think yeah but i think like it's a real advantage when you are already saying from okay i know i'm chaotic and I faced every day in my life, but therefore uh, it can it can become uh, 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 a um, 
real a real part of my work. Yeah. You know, I think I think that is just just like you said earlier about that you that you see the fact that you are changing places every every uh, ten years. I see that as a real as a real advantage. So yeah. you know, from uh, sorry, I uh, I uh, uh, but uh, I think it's like very beautiful that you see it as a real advantage. Well, I, I feel like. I feel like you have to like I, I have this really this is maybe an odd story I don't know maybe you can cut it out if it sounds odd but I, I remember being I'm I will quite, send you the audio afterwards you can uh, you can say what you're gonna cut out what you I want can't, I can't listen to something this long are you crazy no <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes like I can okay. give you 10 we're minutes. Uh, right now at I can see 45 and 20 seconds so <laughs> it's not happening <laughs> um, but I I I remember being a uh, I'm much calmer now I'm older, mm. um, but I was incredibly chaotic as a child, mm. incredibly. And I remember um, being at school and there was one teacher that I really liked and she, like I was a terrible student, mm. but she liked me and she she kind of had some belief in me that I could do it. And, and I remember doing some homework for her and I really busted my ass to get this done. I never did my homework ever. And I really busted my ass. I stayed up super late and I got it done. And then the next morning, I was going to her lesson at nine o'clock. Yeah. And um, I left my house and I had um, forgotten my bus pass. Yeah. So I had to go. I was already late when I left the house. So I had to go yeah. back and get the bus pass. And when I went to get the bus pass, I put my bag, school bag down and left that. So I got to the bus state stop, had my bus pass, but no bag. So I had to go back again. Uh, and then when I got back, it was just back and forth, back and forth. And I was yeah. like so late. Yeah. Um, and it was just a ridiculous, stupid things that no one would forget, but I obviously did multiple times. Yeah. Um, and then I arrived in school and I was just thinking, oh, I just need to get there in time for the, uh, before the lesson ends. Um, so I just need to get there by 10, that's all. Um, and um, I just made it and I ran all the way up the hill and all this kind of thing. Uh, and then I got into school and I realized that I had left the homework at home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and I was so, um, I remember standing in front of my locker and just, losing my shit and I kicked the shit out of the locker I was yeah. like punching and stuff and then I had this like out weird of, uh, just frustration and just just hating myself like how could I possibly have fucked something so simple up so yeah. badly and especially because I'd worked so hard to do it and because she'd really believed in me and then I'd let her down and you know it was just awful it's that feeling right that you oh. that you would just let people down that let her down yeah you know, that's like, like a terrible so feeling yeah. yeah and the difficult thing which was doing the work i had actually done yeah. um but and but i had this weird was there like kicking the shit on my locker and i remember like denting it with my hmm. foot and i like really hurt my toe because <laughs> i kicked it <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> and but then i had this sort of weird moment of serenity where i was like listen matty this is just who you are and your life is always going to be like this. And you can either let yourself get really upset about everything and break your toe kicking lockers and screaming and shouting and everyone's going to think you're crazy and you're going to hurt yourself and make it worse. Or you can just accept it and try and kind of roll with it. Yeah. And I, was, I would have been about 12 or something. It was quite, a, I guess, quite a complex way of thinking about it for somebody so young. Yeah, but I you just, were not even diagnosed. No, that, no, right? going not even close. Yeah. I didn't, you didn't even, we didn't even know it existed in those days. Mm. I knew I was dyslexic, but that was it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I just had this kind of moment, like, this is your life. Yeah. This is who you are, and you can't change it. Yeah. And I thought, 
after that, I kind of gave myself a little bit more of a break. And But it's been a long process. Like, I'm a middle-aged person. It's taken me a long time to kind of be like, it's okay. You, you're who you are. And there are also, I find that for me, there are a lot of things in my life that ADHD has, having ADHD has made very difficult or messed up. But most of the really good things in life and the things that I like most about myself are also from the ADHD. Yeah. And you can't have one without the other. So I feel like you just, you just have to look positively on yourself if you can and be clear-sighted about the things that you can't do yeah. or that you find difficult or how you respond to doing things that you find difficult. For example, throwing my tablet against the wall because <laughs> coding is stressful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of, yeah, it, it's a process. You have, to, you have to be okay with yourself. And, and there's, there's no, just because you, there are things that you can't do or you find hard doesn't mean there aren't other things that you're like exceptionally good at. There's definitely things that I can do that a non-ADHD person cannot do. Um, and those things are valuable to me. Uh, and they're more valuable to me than the things that I can't do. Yeah. I, I feel really strongly about that. I feel the same with Philip, like with his, my husband with his autism. Like there are definitely things that he can't do and he finds difficult and that life is really hard for him in a lot of ways. But he's an amazing person and his the ability that he has with his brain and to think and to be so focused and calm and and clear and logical it's like a superpower um, and everything in, in his life as well that he enjoys comes yeah. as a result of that so yeah all right you can't make eye contact with people and whatever just other not that important stuff he also has but yeah he's a he's a superhero he really is um yeah, so I feel really strongly. It, you get all these excellent positive things, but you also get the other awful stuff. So it's just this kind of like weird seesaw of 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 good things, bad things, good things, bad things. Uh, but you have to love the good things. Yeah, yeah, and he uh, prob and he probably thinks of you that you are a superhero hero as well, right? I mean, I mean, I, <laughs> I yeah, but I think like really uh, a lot of people would uh, probably. Uh, I say that uh, look upon you if you have a, if you have a, such a strong attitude towards your diagnosis or towards your neurotype. Mm. You know? well, I still, you know, I mean, I say that I still, like I say, it was up till four thirty in the morning yeah. doing a presentation. Yeah. You know, it could have been better if I'd done it two days earlier and yeah. practiced it. Yeah. You know, so it, it swings around about. But yeah, it, it, we we just hear these these messages all the time and it that the toxicness like you just said you recognized when I was talking about the school situation I had when I was a kid about letting people down and how you always feel like you, tr you really try and for some reason it doesn't work and, and it's so toxic to your self-esteem and your sense of self when you're young um that that you have to work on that yeah. on work on what that did to you yeah. um because because otherwise, yeah, life is going to be shitty. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And, and I think also, I have this very slight attitude of like, yeah. well, it's their fault. Yeah. Like, of course, I was terrible at school. Yeah. Because it, school's not designed for people like me. That's not my fault. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of neurotypical, especially kids, could do with a bit more of that. What... Um... 
you're now 42, I think? 43, yeah. 43. Okay, you look way long. You look way younger. Than <laughs> <one>. <laughs> um, but um, you will, about four years, you were done with this bachelor. Yes. What are your plans for any future? Well, it's interesting because I, I'm really, there's two ways of thinking about it. So one is, is like, Am I, am I kind of too old to be a junior designer in like an interesting agency? Maybe. It's worth a shot though, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it, it's good to be realistic and think, okay, there will be definitely be barriers, but I'll give it a good, I'll give it a go. Why not? Um, I also feel like um, I also try and do the study for its own sake, just because I enjoy it, because it's interesting, because it, it expands my mind and it's, yeah, it feels like a real privilege to, to be able to have done this at my age, to walk out of professional life and just be like, okay, I'm going, I'm going back to school just because I want to, <laughs> not, not for any reason. You know, I would love, I would love to be a, a designer and work in an agency and do cool things. And I will try really hard to do that. Um, but it's hard enough if you're, if you're a normal age, let alone twice as old as everybody else. Mm. But I think, I think I've got a decent chance. Yeah. I think like, you know, something I, I think that my ADHD probably does give me, so I'm quite good with people. Yeah. I like people. I'm, I think I'm kind of pretty okay to be around. Yeah. And that, that really benefits me. And I yeah. can, and also, I can talk my way into all kinds of stuff. I have yeah. done my whole life. Like so, in this podcast. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I feel like, yeah, I've talked myself into all kinds yeah. of stuff. I talked myself into the BBC, yeah. age 17, having left school with no high school certificate yeah. like I talked myself into a political career just because I got annoyed about a particular issue and rang up people who were campaigning on it and said can I help you and that then turned into a 10-year career yeah. like I feel like if if it's a possibility I can maybe do that yeah. if not okay also cool yeah um so yeah I, I keep both both possibilities alive in my mind at the same time that um I do it for its own sake and that I make sure that I could be happy with that. Yeah. But also there's a possibility. And then from a like really practical perspective, and this is where you can see that I'm married to an autistic person who's helped me think about it, <laughs> is right. that I have 10 years experience as a very senior level political campaigner. Um, and I wrote campaigns and conceived them and planned them. Um, but of course, a really super important part of campaigning is design. So if I were to walk into a campaigning company I don't particularly want to go back to that work but if I were to walk in and say hello I have 10 years as a senior international campaigner I've now spent five five years at art academy studying design I would like to be a designer a campaign designer right. a member of staff I think I'd have a decent chance so there's also that but that yeah. that is not was not my idea when I came here but yeah. that was the the super logical practical solution that my my autistic husband came up with yeah. which is a like a really beautiful synergy <laughs> yeah. he's so good at thinking of things like that it's yeah. nice when we can work together that way yeah yeah all nice yeah and you're uh, and you're already at the start of your bachelor so yeah totally. you know yeah, yeah. what you know i mean when i started when i at my first year i was thinking of, oh yeah i'm i'm going to be a great designer <laughs> <laughs> at the studio yeah and now uh, and just last I think I graduated in 2019 mm -hmm. at like 40 different uh, application jobs. Mm -hmm. 
no one wants to hire me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, because first... because uh, because my work is really not that commercial. But I was really scared uh, uh, uh. of of being an artist since since I thought, yeah, I really like, I really hate the freelance way that you don't have that restrictions from yeah. a nine to five job. Um, but now I'm actually at this moment where I think. I really, I really like the fact that I have uh, the chance to explore uh, my own qualities, to mm. explore what mm. I'm really good yeah. at. Yeah. And I also thinking that's maybe what our society should also way more look like. I think that's a bit happening a bit with the newer jobs mm. regarding coding and regarding the IT, yeah, where, yeah, they, yeah. where they reach more and more people with autism. Mm. You know, they actually... Um, uh, we as a society should actually ask, uh, you know, when you have an application form or, uh, 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 sorry, a vacature. A vacancy. Yeah, a vacancy. Thank you very much. <laughs> a vacancy, uh, there you have this guy. You have to be so much mirror, so much here experience. You have to uh, know these kind of programs, etc., etc. Yeah. Well, I think from... Why does not? Why are not so many studios or companies who just ask? Who just ask? Yeah, we just need people, and we're just gonna ask you what you're good at, mm. and we're gonna decide whether it's useful for uh, for us or yeah. not. You we're know, gonna, if you, we're you gonna know, look at your work, we're gonna see if you, we like you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, from if think if you, I mean, this is this sounds like a bit a socialistic, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a socialistic uh, uh, utopia, but I think if you would. Um, Maybe uh, I think in I think in the very end of the day we have to we have to look forward to a point, especially now with COVID and those freelancers which mm -hmm. are growing more and more are hard finding a job. We have to uh, uh, change our society in such a way that um, also the people who live alongside the the society who are who who are really good at things which are not financial beneficial mm. uh, we have to we have to see how we can create an environment for these people and i think yeah. and i think that's also a bit of a job of the art education mm. um, think differently or yeah. yeah yeah well i, I think um, yeah that's like this idea of the you know universal basic income um I used to be a head of campaigns for the Green Party in the, yeah. in the United Kingdom. And we were kind of really early adopters of this this universal basic income. Yeah. Not, And we had the two kind of a couple of ways of looking at it. One from our perspective, of course, yeah. productivity, human productivity and the way we measure it is a bit is, is not very helpful as far as environmental um, issues are concerned. But also that as we become a more automated society, more technological society, there are so many jobs that just disappear. Um, and that we have to forward plan for that as a society where there's simply not going to be enough jobs because so many things don't need a human being to do yeah. them anymore. Um, and that we need to future-proof that yeah. by thinking of some economic solution, yeah. which is completely within our reach. Yeah. But also right now, I mean... Um... Uh, I just thought that that when I walk through the street, that actually the working class—I'm not sure if you, if uh, in, if England 
still using that, but it was like... <laughs> what, the class system? England. Yeah, the class system. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're like, big fans. But, but um, that, the, that the working class becomes a uh, way more visual, uh, uh, way more be, be, becomes way more visual in, in, uh, on the streets since they are actually the only persons whose job cannot be... Yeah, yeah. Be done behind a computer, so they they are they are actually right now the people who uh, kind of color the streets. Mm. So and if and if this kind of people become like um, become uh, way more visible, then we also have to then it's like a very very good opportunity. Okay, what can we do to actually help these people? And, and also so this is becoming a bit of a <laughs> big bit of a podcast on the on the social <laughs> level. Well, I think, yeah. but I think. Like COVID nineteen has really taught us something about what is an essential worker. Yeah. Like yeah. when when it when it really boils down to it, who do you need? Yeah. Um, to to just keep people going, medical staff, people who work mm. in shops, people who work in the Alberheim, uh, people who clean the streets and empty the bins and yeah. drive taxis and yeah. buses and that that's what our society can't yeah. function without. Yeah. I used to work as a postman. Just the last couple of, uh, I think, from March until uh, um, until August. So and I'm and I just walked from door to door to risking yeah. with uh, with uh, risking COVID or getting bitten by a dog, dog. which actually happens. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, <laughs> it's the same for, like political yeah. people do political work. We get bitten by a lot of dogs with their fingers through the letterbox. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, it's um, getting dark outside. It is. I think we have to wrap up. Can, can I, can I, there was something that I would want to talk about that we didn't mention about the kind of experience of having ADHD in, in the art academy. Yeah. Is okay. that, is that for me so far, um, I, I actually did the first semester of the first year last mm -hmm. year and then I broke my arm very badly and mm -hmm. had to drop out and redo. So I've been already in the art academy for half a year before this year. Um, and I found that, that in, in the first year, in the graphic design department, the class coach, Rob, has ADHD. And he is extremely conscious of other students with ADHD. So, and I know that he defends us sometimes to other teachers who don't perhaps understand why we are finding some things difficult. And, you know, because a lot of the time, if you don't know about it, ADHD can look like, I don't care. Um, yeah. Because it's so beyond people's understanding that you want to do something and you can't make yourself do yeah. it. Makes no sense, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I will be very interested to see how it feels to go into the second year where, where we're not held by Rob in that way. Yeah. It will be very interesting to see. Like I feel very much like if I were having problems ADHD-related-wise, I could go to him. And he would not only listen to me but he would understand and then take action based on that yeah. uh, and i feel like um that is a, an experience that make is unusual in an art yeah. academy that i feel that somebody who is very important to my development because he's not just a, a typography teacher he's also my class coach and yeah. um, that somebody who's very important to my development in the school has got my back and understands what my problems are yeah. and i just think like imagine if i felt confident that I could go into the second, third and fourth year with that same level of understanding and care. I mean, you, you don't get a free pass. You have to work and you have to do the stuff and it has to get done still. Mm. But imagine if I could have that sense of safety 
going into other years or in other departments. And I don't think that that's something impossible to do. I think it would just come down to kind of training and understanding. And, and yeah, I mean, there are a lot of students with ADHD in an art academy. A lot. Um, a very high proportion. Enough, yeah. enough that I feel that it is justifiable that there are that there is specific and special understanding for us. Um, yeah, and, and I really feel that that replicating that feeling of safety and that feeling of of understanding and people working with you constructively, still expecting good and solid and plenty of work from you, but understanding your difficulty, that yeah. can be replicated. I yeah. really believe that. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of work. Yeah. So you're actually advocating for uh, a more neurodiverse uh, staff of teachers? I, or, I don't think or... they need to be neurodiverse. I, I just think they need to be trained. Okay. Yeah. And, and to, to understand that they need to look out for this and that, you know, a good yeah. 10% of their students are going to be neurodiverse, yeah. if not more. Um, and that, that, yeah, how to help them. And when a neurodiverse student comes to you and says, hello, I have ADHD or I have autism or, I, you know, that you know what that means. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not just, from, oh, nice to hear from you. Yeah. Or not like, yeah. Or oh, you find it difficult to concentrate. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yes, but also this. Oh, you're uh, autistic. Tell how many toothpicks are yeah. on ground. Yeah. Can you draw that building <laughs> from memory? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, um, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think this is a very, a very valuable comment because, um, um, I think um, you're you're also mentioning Rob. I'm mm. just going to add, I'm just going to add, I will ask him if he if he will also be part of the show. I'm really because I'm also searching for like people who are part of the system. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, he, maybe he's... a teacher or, or something like that. But I but um, I uh, honestly um, I think yeah I think it's a very valuable comment because. I think, but I think that's also maybe a bit of the part that 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 we want to. I mean, this is of course a podcast, and this is part of a platform. But we, as a platform, also want to actually advocate for something like this. That 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 is that is also part of neuro, um, neuro, 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 neuro. Diversity. Neurodiversity, nah, not inclusive. Inclusive. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, just yeah. forgot inclusive. the word inclusive. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is also part of autism, so I will not cut this. But I don't, yeah, but yeah. I sometimes processing but, disorder. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. that I sometimes have have a processing disorder, and I forgot words. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, but um, to make it neuro inclusive, mm. actually, that defines that uh, you as a teacher, but also at an academy, uh, know what we also discussed the, discussed earlier know how you can make information accessible for like every form of uh, 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 neuro, for all the neurotypes. Mm. So uh, just for the neurotypical persons or and students, but also for the neurodiverse yeah. students, yeah, yeah. you know? And I think what you are saying is actually part of that by uh, also accepting and by training what should, what should teachers do or what can teachers do even though maybe they can they can do do uh, nothing, but they can maybe but they can maybe uh, uh, I say that uh, uh, send to you to one of the deans or someone yeah. who mm -hmm. uh, represents uh, ourselves, um, you know, who can uh, who can help us with this case and uh, who can maybe arrange someone next to you in the class, you know, or maybe arrange a 
extra class with that specific teacher. Mm. You know what we kind of discussed earlier, yeah. if you think you're falling behind, uh, that shouldn't be answered with a punishment of, of another year or a bad grade or mm -hmm. another task. Maybe that should be punishment or sorry, that should be answered mm -hmm. with uh, 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 more specific help. Yeah. And, yeah. I think, and I think the more specific help is, I think that uh, comes out of uh, the thing you were just mentioned, you know, by uh, also understanding our language uh, and our other neurodiverse students mm. who have all different languages, but I think they, at the very end of the day, they just want one thing that's just to be heard, you know? And um, uh, we are gonna do that with, with this platform, but hopefully also in the non-distant past with the, uh, with the academy. Super nice, you know? super okay. nice. I think we are going to wrap, to wrap up. Yeah, I'm hey, going to walk the dog. Thank you very much. I think it was very val valuable. Uh, this was the first episode. Did yeah. it went well? <laughs> Always ask an ADHD yeah. person to come on for the first one. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to show you know, up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. That's very good to break the ice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I still have to schedule like the other, the other guests. So I'm not sure who the next one will be, but mm -hmm. um, there will be an Instagram page called uh, non-neurotypical art students. Uh, without any any spaces altogether at non-neurotypical art students. You can, if you are interested in joining this podcast, you can uh, send a DM to that uh, Instagram page. You can also contact me on uh, niels.ottoman at home.nl. Uh, I will send all the contacts in the, in the, in the description. So uh, thank you for, thank you for listening. Matty, thank you very much. Oh, I think it was such a pleasure. It was a, it was a, it was a great talk. And uh, well, we see each other again. Send me the best wishes to your husband. <laughs> you know, I hope he, he recovers uh, from uh, COVID-19. Is he like struck very hard or? Yeah, well, he's had it for, well, he's, he doesn't anymore have COVID, but he has this long COVID thing. Oh, that's yeah, he's okay. been sick for nine months. Well, oh, uh, I hope he's, uh, he's just, uh, he will... Uh, he will recover very soon. Well, he's so. learnt Japanese in that nine, okay. in that nine months because, of course, okay. he has. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks. And, um, well, good luck with your study. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Bye.